0: Expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT.
1: Thanks for tuning in. What you're about to hear is just a taste of ICRT's new program, Hearsay. The full show will be broadcast on ICRT-FM 100 this Thursday, November 6th at 9 p.m. If you're not in Taiwan, you can still listen to the live broadcast online through the ICRT homepage. You'll also be able to find this online at the Taiwan Talk podcast stream on iTunes, the ICRT website, or on our blog page. We're going to have that up a little bit after the live broadcast. All right. Hope you enjoy the show. From ITRT, this is Hearsay, a show that features spoken word performances from right here in Taiwan. I'm Keith Menconi, and in this hour, we'll be featuring some of the stories told at May's Taipei Story Slam event. During the event, storytellers were asked to prepare a seven minute story based on the night's theme, On Thin Ice. All of the storytellers were told their story had to be true, it had to be from personal experience, and had to be told from memory, so no scripts allowed. On today's show, we're going to hear about politics in Taiwan's Foreign Correspondence Club, dealing with Taiwan's legal system with less than perfect Mandarin, and a life or death situation in a vegetarian cooking class. But first up, we're going to hear a story from Colin Norman about dealing with a nightmare student at an international school in Shanghai. Sticking with the theme on Thin Ice, we asked all of our speakers to tell us how they keep cool. Colin told us he'd like to know that himself. Here he is, live at Taipei Story Slam.
0: So there I was, in the classroom, and I'm slowly turning my body because I hear a commotion. Now, fourth-graded commotion generally isn't too bad of a thing. And so just out of the corner of my eye, I managed to catch the troublemaker of the class, the nightmare, the one that makes every class painful. And I watch him push a backpack up to the window, the open window, because it's Shanghai and hot. He pushes the backpack to the window, steps up on it, and puts one leg out the window. But let me back up. This school, this job, this city was Everything I didn't want in my life. Shanghai, the people were horrible. They could not line up. They pushed. They spit. And unless you were family or had guanxi, you were nothing. And I didn't live in nice Shanghai. I didn't live in Pudong with the beautiful buildings. No, I lived in the south of Shanghai, where all the peasants came in on the trains to set up shop. I have seen people poo on every corner of the street. And here I was in China living the dream. Um, The rosy colored glasses lasted about six weeks, and it was an exciting six weeks. And then the glasses came away, and I was miserable. But I was going to make the best of it. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this school. Now, this was an international school, but not actually an international school. They said they were an international school, and they required the kids to have, one of the parents to have an international passport. But no one actually certified them as an international school. This was the sort of school where the police would show up once a month and come and smoke cigars in the hallways looking at the kids and then leave with paper bags of money. This was the kind of school where they would yell at us to do more colorful activities with the kids when the parents were coming, but then the rest of the year we couldn't get colored paper. This was the kind of school that when the laminator stopped working, the foreigners were plotting to take down the school by spending their budget repairing the laminator. They hated us. They hated everything about us. They hated us being there. But they knew by having us there, they could charge all they wanted. This was the school. Now, let's talk about the parents. Usually that first day of school is really fun, the day where you get to go, hey kids, what do your parents do? Oh, you're a noodle seller. That's fantastic. And what are you, an engineer? Wow. No. Hey, kids, what do your parents do? Boss. Cool. Boss? Great. Boss. Boss. Okay. Are anyone's parents not a boss? Wow. Okay, uh, my lesson plan's used up. I got nothing. Okay, how about moms? What do your moms do? Shopping. Okay. Shopping. Shopping. Oh, she cooks. Oh, no, that's your IE. What does your mom do? Yeah, shopping. Okay. <laughs> so these are the parents of the school. To give you an idea of what these parents are like, um, one of the kids came to my office to beg me to help him get a good grade because his dad promised he'd come back from Fujian and spend the summer with him, but only if he got all A's. These were the parents of the school. Um, and so these kids were a very special mix, this, this mix of being emotionally denied everything they needed from their parents while being given everything physical they needed from their IEs and from their nannies. Uh, They got whatever they wanted except what they needed. And so this was the situation we were in, in a school that hated us, with kids that got whatever they wanted but were so emotionally destroyed that they were incredibly difficult to deal with. Uh, The best kid in this school, his parents had bought him a cell phone But that's because he disappeared in their mansion with books and they couldn't find him all day. So they had to be able to call him and track him down. Um, And of course, the foreigners dealt with this in the way that most foreigners do. Severe alcoholism. (laughs) And that's where we were. Now, there was one boy. uh, As he's still a student, I should make up a name for him. Let's call him Tommy. Uh, This boy Tommy in fourth grade, he was the nightmare of nightmares. He was just a walking disaster. He was everything the teacher fears rolled into one little nightmare. Uh, I had to have a meeting with the parents of the best kid in the school because that kid was having nightmares about this kid. Um, (laughs) Tommy was unique. Uh, As a matter of fact, if any of you have seen that uh, one movie, it's the movie where the kid runs up and down the airplane, pretending to be an airplane and hitting everyone in the back of the head with his arms. On Golden Week, I was on vacation, leaving the school in October for the first time and saw a child running up and down the aisles, pretending to be an airplane and screaming, and went, my God, he could be one of mine. And he was. (laughs) It was Tommy. So, this kid. Uh, I learned that sometimes the best thing to do was to completely ignore him. Uh, Tommy, you want to scream, you want to yell, you want to lie on the floor and throw a tantrum, that's great, we're teaching over here. And one day, I just would not pay attention to him, because I had to teach these other kids. And eventually, he decided that he didn't give a shit. So he pushed his backpack over to the window, climbed up, and got one leg out, and Just as I was turning, he was putting that leg on the planters hanging outside the window, at which point my entire world collapsed into a tiny, bright singularity of panic and fear and distress. And a kid I hated so much, it oozed out my veins, suddenly became a kid I loved so much that it was going to destroy my entire world if he made it out that window. And I have never crossed 10 feet faster in my entire life than in that moment. And I had him, and I pulled him out the window, and I've never had love and fear and caring so quickly turn into rage and (laughs) insanity. And he knew immediately how in trouble he was. So he immediately went limp and would not do anything as I was screaming, Go! Get out! Go to Madam Wong's office! And he wouldn't move, and I'm dragging him out the hallway, at which, well, which point I was intercepted by the hall monitor, who then took him out of my hands and tried to calm me down. And so, long story short, the school would not call his father because they would lose face. And I said, he's not coming back in my classroom until we talk to his dad. So we set up a program, we got him in there, and we decided that if he was good every single class of the week, his dad would let him spend time with him that weekend which worked wonderfully at first, and then two weeks on it was not so great, and three weeks he was back to normal. I found out, hey, how's your time with your dad going? Oh, he's gonna do it next week. He's gonna do all three weeks next week, yeah. And so, thin ice. Is the thin ice these students, what we're putting these students on with these sort of situations, is the thin ice the teacher that has to deal with them? I think the thin ice is this situation where we're putting these expectations on these kids. And I can't wait for this ice to break because this is the moment where we're going to actually let these kids have what they need to have and be what they need to be. Because as it is, we are destroying the next generation. And I hate to go all slam poet at the end there, but something's got to change because that kid Tommy, he needs better help than I can give. Thank you.
1: That was Colin Norman. He's an English teacher who does some acting and improv on the site as well. In the end, Colin left Shanghai after about a year living there and came to Taiwan, where he's been teaching English for around four years now. Since the theme of the night was On Thin Ice, I asked him, living in Taiwan, what situation makes him feel like he's on thin ice?
0: Anytime I have to talk to parents, especially if the parents speak about 20 words of English, but they still want to show off that they can, and all of a sudden, you get these situations where they go, Oh, uh, Tommy is good. And you try and reassure them. You say, Oh, yeah, yeah, he's doing great. And they don't believe you. They, they're sure that their kid is not trying hard enough. So he's really, really, like, yeah, 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 he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. He's, he's really, really good.
1: Really? Do you find yourself ever overselling a kid because you're worried the parents will come down too hard on him? <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think I have to oversell. I think that's the only way. There's I've never found an in-between. Either they don't believe you or you oversell so much that they're like, oh, okay, this teacher's too easy.
1: Colin's now taught English in the mainland and Taiwan, so I was curious if he's found that teaching students from a different cultural background has any challenges. Colin told me about one particular challenge that caught him by surprise.
0: Because the kids are used to having such kind of a stringent or or tight relationship with the teacher. A lot of times they don't want to make their Anqingban teacher angry. There's certain Anqingban teachers you can hear screaming from the other side of the school. So they have this, uh, what seems to be kind of a very, they they walk on eggshells a lot of the time, I think with a lot of their Anqingban teachers. So what I didn't see coming was that when they get a teacher that's more relaxed or more kind of a Western style of, hey, let's be buddies and also I'm going to teach you English. And they really, really change their classroom personality completely. So a student in an anting Bun and a student in my class are almost like two completely different students. They open up in a lot of ways, but also they'll try and take advantage in ways that they know that I'm not going to scream and lose my head, so they want to see how far they can push things. So it's, there's a good and a bad. You have to be careful about their behavior, but at the same time you see kids really open up and be really interesting people.
1: Okay, so that was just a sample, only about a quarter of the whole show. One more time, you can hear the rest this Thursday, November 6th at 9 p.m. You'll also be able to find it online at the Taiwan Talk podcast stream on iTunes, the ICRT website, or our blog page. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in this Thursday.